A very warm welcome to Series 5 of Industry Minds, sponsored by us, Tax for Actors. We take the stress out of self-employment. Stay tuned for an exclusive offer only for Industry Minds listeners. But for now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reed, And I'm Scarlett Maltzman. And today we are absolutely honoured to be joined by two-time Olivier Award winner Stephen Muir, CBE. Hi. How are you today, Stephen? Good, thank you. Very well. Fantastic. We're absolutely honoured to have you on the podcast. Um, we always start with a little game. So this is a word association game. So the first thing that pops into your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> so the first one is Paris. Romance. Gin and tonic. Vodka. Coke. <laughs> Cap. Top hat. Kinder Bueno. Oh, what's that? It's like um, a little chocolate, but it's got like a cream filling inside of it. Ferro Rocher. Ferro Rocher. Oh, good one. Pineapple Dance Studios. Dance Works. Coffee. Tea. Happiness. Joyful. Fantastic. So, Stephen, as we've said already, we're so delighted to have you on the podcast today. And um, throughout the interview, we'll be going through your very diverse career. But let's kick off um, where it all started. What sparked your love for theatre? Um, I think when I, I like I was a kid at three, my mum used to teach at schools and I used to just dance schools and I used to run in out the line. So I learned to tap at three. And I think I used to watch those old films with her on Sundays and I would love that. And then I joined amateur dramatic societies and things while I was still at home. And I started doing these musicals that I just thought, wow, this is fabulous. I just had a joy for it and a passion that I loved going. I mean, I can't remember much about school itself. All I remember is amateur dramatics and tap dance school. That's all I can remember my younger years. But yeah, I absolutely loved watching those old MGM films and just, I just knew I, it was something that drew my passion towards, it drew my, drew me towards them and made me really passionate. Fantastic. So was that, was that, um, your, did that inspire you from a very young age? Did you know that you wanted to go, to go into the arts from that age? No, I didn't actually, because like I was saying to somebody else the other day, at school I was dyslexia and I never found out until I was 16. So they just thought I was thick. But then I knew, so I, you know, I, I got noticed through dancing and, you know, I, I could actually do something. And um, I didn't think I'd ever be good enough to go to college. But a teacher said to me at college, you are so thick, Mia. Don't think you're ever going to go into your airy-fairy theatre world. You need to put your head down and work. They didn't know I had dyslexia then. But him saying that made it, <laughs> in a way, it made me more determined to go to college and prove him wrong. And I did. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. I, I suffer from um, um, dyscalcia, which is the number version of dyslexia. So I completely relate. I, I was told I was stupid at school and stuff. So it's hard. It's, it's hard. And look at you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So um, chat to us about your career, because you haven't always been a choreographer and a director. No, I mean, I, I was looking at while I was at college. London Studio, I got into two shows. I got into Evita and 42nd Street while I was at college. So I still trained every day, apart from the afternoon of the matinee. 
And, uh, I, I thought I'd made it then. I, that's what, that was my, you know, when I got into 46th Street and that curtain went up that first night, and I remember just my eyes filling because I thought, wow, I've actually made my dream. And um, and then I, I've always choreographed as well at colleges and things, and I started becoming dance captains and then, you know, for Susan Stroman, which is like a mega learning curve. And um, I kind of just, I mean, I always, I, then I realised that's what I wanted to do after I'd been in a few West End shows. And I started choreographing things, so, so I was very lucky. Yeah. How was it um, training alongside being at college? Because now... Um, I know that a lot of people do get jobs at the end of college, but there's only they can start after a certain point. How did you find kind of mixing the two? Oh, I mean, I mean, you would never be allowed to do what I did. I mean, doing a beat in 46th Street in your last, well, ending your first year into the third year. But um, I, I mean, I was just, I was like a sponge. That's all I can say, because I loved it so much. I still, you know, I never missed a class while I was working, ever, apart from those afternoons when we had a matinee on a Wednesday or Thursday. But, um, but yeah, I, I just loved it. I was still learning, you see. I was learning from everything. And um, so I think I was very lucky. It was like a, a shortcut to learning your profession, really, with, with what I was doing, sitting in the room with all these brilliant old pros that had been around for years. So you learn your craft really well. Yeah, fantastic. And then um, do you remember the first thing that you ever choreographed, like ever? I, I mean, I did loads at school, but I remember the first thing, um, Oh, it was from Cotton Club. It was a number from the Cotton Club for London Studio Centre. There's people like Wendy Peters was in it, Karen Edwards, all these, Wendy Kitchen, all these people would know. They were my dancers in it. So so first thing I did while well, I was, look, I think I'd just left studio. It was the first big number I did for their show. It's called Cotton Club Stamp. Stomp, that was it. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Amazing, amazing. So just um, filtering into the mental health side um of this interview and um, what have your experiences with mental health been uh, that that can be personal or things that you've you've noticed and um, reflecting throughout the industry um I mean I you know I, I you go through ups and downs and sometimes times are really tough when you're working in this industry um and I remember when I was in doing Little Mermaid on Broadway and everybody was, I don't know, there were so many things going wrong and it was a brilliant show, but there were so many things going wrong and it, and it got me down. And I didn't, I did, and somebody said to me, have you ever read The Secret? And I was a bit like, oh, it's one of those American things, you got to do that. I read it and it was, it did something. It made me stop. I mean, you can't cut it out completely, but it just lifted me a bit, made me more positive. And I wished I'd have had that when I did, which is a V Street, because once again, we had a show where there was lots of drama backstage sometimes and things went wrong. And I didn't speak up and my back went, I remember. And I only realised years later because I was stressed and I didn't speak up. So that's, it's funny, isn't it? But now I, I will always speak my mind now, not in a bad way, but get it off my chest so it's not going to fester inside me and like injure my back like it did in that show yeah gosh yeah I think it's almost amazing how the physical sides you know affect the the mental sides like it they, they go hand, pretty much hand in hand don't they and it was ridiculous really because I was doing a show I was loving doing I was loving choreographing it but there was so much behind the scenes that were going on and politics you know that you don't normally have to go but it, it affected me obviously without realizing yeah yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> definitely um so as we mentioned you are a director as well as a choreographer and some of these credits include 42nd street funny girl guys and dolls and little shop of horrors what do you love about both directing and choreographing a piece i mean 
you know, I'm always blessed that I've worked with some of the best directors. So I've learned from them. Once again, I was like, I used to watch everybody, the good directors, bad directors. So when I got to do it both, it's a wonderful thing. I believe that you should never know where a director leaves and a choreographer starts. If, um, if I've worked with so many collaborative directors, that has happened. And I've worked with a few where it hasn't happened. So when you're running the ship, you get <laughs> you get the say on everything, which is really <laughs> nice. So, you know, but I, I do surround myself with fabulous associates or assistants that will say to me, mm, don't agree with that, because I don't believe you, you could ever do it all on your own. You always need a third eye. Yeah. Do, have you ever found that, you know, that, that's two mammoth tasks, directing and choreographing a show. How how do you manage your time when when you're doing a show where you're, you know, two two leaders of two amazing aspects of the show? Yeah, I mean, I did 42nd Street in Paris a few years ago, which I should be doing it now in Chicago at this point. But um, I as I was doing it, because I was in it years ago, but as I was doing it, I didn't realise how mammoth it was that I was directing and choreographing. I did have two amazing assistants, assistant director, assistant choreographer. And I did a lot of pre-production on it because I knew it was big, but it was still exhausting. But I was loving it at the same time. Yeah, I did think, what made me think that? But we did have five, <laughs> we did have five weeks. So, you know, I just worked hard. But it, I, that was, I did have to think, wow, that was a hard one. Yeah, I think you definitely have to have a certain brain to, to do both. Yeah. No, I and can also, barely tap my head and rub my tummy at the same time. <laughs> but, it, but it was something I, I loved. It was music I loved, show I loved. So once you've got that energy behind you, it helps. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you have been nominated for a staggering 10 Olivier Awards, including Mary Poppins at this year's, um, which is sadly postponed for now. Um, in 2005, you won for Mary Poppins with Matthew Bourne and in 2010 for Hello, Dolly. Um, this is just absolutely incredible. How, how does it feel to have your work recognised on this level? I mean, you know, you never think it's going to happen to you. You never would dream. And I remember the first show that I ever choreographed that went on tour and went into the West End for eight weeks was um, Soul Train. And... Um, you know, it just went in for eight weeks and I got a phone call saying I was nominated for Olivia. I mean, I, I literally had to sit down and I'd only not long started as a choreographer. So that was my first West End show that went in and you just can't believe things like that happen to you. I mean, everything that's happened to me over this last few years, I'm like, wow, seriously? You know, but it doesn't make you any better, but it puts you on. I think people notice you because, you're, you know, that's all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what advice would you maybe give to someone that is maybe graduating now and has, you know, dreams to be a choreographer? Obviously, it's it's hard getting through, you know, the first kind of few knockbacks or whatever. It, it takes its time to get up to a level that you're at. What advice would you give to someone that maybe, you know, you're you're their hero? What advice would you would you give? I would just say, look, just be passionate. Do what you do. If you just get any, if you get offered any job choreographing, just do it to get the experience first. Even if it's not like your style, you can't be picky when you start off. I grabbed everything, and um, you just have to go with it. Just pray that you come across a show that one day you're going to be able to really express your work and show what you can do. And you just have to keep going. I mean, I I used to stage a lot of plays as well to get into it, and so I got to work with different directors that I knew did musicals. So that helps as well. I mean, it's not for me, there are better people than me to do that. But when I was starting off, it was still a big learning experience. So grab anything you can and just be true to yourself, but make sure you know who you're working for. 
absolutely absolutely I like that and going on from from this and the Olivier's what inspires your work oh I mean I'm a big Jack Cole Bob Fosse Hermes Penn I'm obsessed with all those I mean they they were just so exciting to watch and like I said all those old films they you know it always makes me laugh when we say oh I've come out with this rhythm and this thing and I always say I want to say just go back to Nicholas Brothers and see if you can find that rhythm because I'm telling you it will be there you know, there's all those things that I, I just love, you know, dancers like Ann Miller, Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly, all those amazing people. I was was obsessed with them. Like I used to learn Ann Miller's tap rhythms, you know, because I was so obsessed with them. So, yeah, I, you know, those all those things inspired me. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and do you think it's important for um, young dancers now to to go back and really learn about all those choreographers that have inspired all, all the new choreographers that are coming up and maybe their work? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like I had Susan Stroman as well. So, I, I mean, I, I learned to all the choreographers and work, but, but YouTube is like a, Aladdin's cave now with all the things they've got on there that we, I think, used to have, you know. And I think this is the time we're in lockdown just to, like I said, find as much information, watch as many of those old things. I've come across some things I've never seen before. And it, it's just amazing. And it's just use this time to find everything, songs, speeches, whatever you do, commercial stuff. It, it just inspires, inspire you to look on. Yeah. You, you put out um, a video message to recent grads as well, exactly saying that about how to use this time and go on to these resources like YouTube. And which had a fantastic response. Yeah, it did. It was lovely. I'm, and I'm glad I did it because I just thought, God, these poor kids are going to be out of college. And now we've got the chance to actually not just sit there and mope, to actually do Because, I mean, it, it is hard. So hopefully it'll inspire them to find things that I've not found, you know, that will inspire yeah. Absolutely. Um, so just um, going back to your work, you have such an exciting style um, and you know, something that I, I really love particularly is the aspect of sign language um, through supercalifragilisticexpialidocious yeah. and Mary Poppins. How, where did this idea come from and, and how did you explore that? Because it, it was, you know, it, it's such a, a, a new thing um, that, that you created. And I think, you know, going on to, you know, like mental health aspects and thing, bringing things into choreography that we wouldn't, you know, usually see where did this idea come from oh, my partner is deaf i mean okay. I, I, in the disney book my partner is deaf and um i just was amazed how and he's a teacher dance teacher and he was friends with his own company wow. deaf man dancing but he um i suddenly thought god how hard it must be for him to how, how does he do it it always amazed me anyway i'd been with him for years and we got to doing poppins and i said oh i'd love to put some sign into the show and uh so the obvious one, Matthew, I think, said so supercal. So, but the best thing was when we got to doing it. I'm just so dyslexic. We had to put all the letters on because I could never spell it. But we started doing prop signing, you know, the small version. But it was too small for the theatre. So we did it, made our Mary Poppins signing with some of the proper signing in it. But signing people understood it because, and that's wonderful, isn't it? Because dance is a form of expression, and that means you know you can still tell a story through signing. And I, I didn't realise it was going to become so big, um, but thrilled it did. And I used to get letters saying from deaf people saying how beautiful it was and how happy it made them that we yeah. were communicating through sign. And it's a wonderful thing. It's joyous. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. And I think even when you see, 
like young kids trying to learn it and stuff off of YouTube. You know, I think there was um, a performance recently of the West End cast and then there was all these videos of, of young children learning it. It's just joy, exactly, exactly that, absolutely joyous and beautiful. When we did it originally, I mean, people are having breakdowns doing it because it is hard isn't it, to do that faster. And it's kind of isolated as well, which I did mathematics. So I, I love isolation and arms and things. So um, so it gets faster. And we thought we're never going to be able to teach the kids this. We're never, we're not going to be able to. Put. And of course, the kids did it like in one day because it was like a game, wasn't it? So the kids, they got it quicker than the adults, amazingly. Amazing. And, and how long did that, that number in particular, how long did that take you to choreograph? Because well, it's both, epic. I think me and Matthew did it between as well. I mean, Sally and Kevin, but we always intertwined everything between it. But um, so it got longer, I think, and it gets faster. I, I mean, it took us, I mean, it took, we did pre-production, but it did take us a while. Definitely would have took a couple of, uh, like, a good, doing other things as well, but about two weeks in total to finish the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, two weeks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we were doing other things in between. It wasn't like full days of it. So, you know, yeah. sessions of two weeks, I'd say. Yeah. Fantastic. Just staying on, on the signing one, I think that there's, there's been a few kind of productions that have incorporated sign, like there's been a, a Spring Awakening that had um, sign language in it. Um, what are kind of your thoughts on um, bringing sign language into um, productions, not just on kind of like an interpreter level on the side, just for accessibility for those people who who can access the theatre who aren't hearing? Yeah, I know that's so. I mean, I love it. I think it, there was a show called Big River in America that did signing years and years ago, way before we did puppet. And um, it's just beautiful to watch. I just think it's it's there's something magical about it because they're expressing themselves not just to hearing people but to non-hearing people. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, it's like my partner is contemporary, so he choreographs it with big moves when he does it. So I I know I didn't do what he did. So we made it sharper and shorter, but it's quite a I think it's a wonderful thing to watch. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think it comes back down to as well, you know, we the, the expressing side of dance, which I think, you know, can can often get lost. I think especially when you're training every single day, you know, it's we don't do it to be the best. We do it to express. And yeah. I think, it, yeah, it's just beautiful. And it's also dancing for a meaning. You're actually telling a story or you're expressing yourself and you're spelling things. So you're not just dancing. Yeah, you're telling the story through sign as well, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I think that can often get, just as you were saying, Scott, I think that can sometimes get a little bit lost in training, especially when you're doing about three, four classes a day. And I remember we were always told to um, put that expression into um, into your plies, into your tondus, yeah. um, just just to to remember why you love it and to, to really like reach the end of everything. And I think that that's something that can sometimes be forgotten when you're yeah. on your fifth class of the day and you're absolutely exhausted yeah, of course yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, on expressing uh, do you think that we can explore mental health through dance in what way would you mean do you do you mean uh just uh, like like maybe a piece that is uh oh, yeah. that's based on I definitely i think i've seen loads of pieces done through like health and and breakdowns and things you know expressing themselves through dance telling stories like that yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, I think it is something, particularly from doing this podcast, that has really inspired me is, you know, talking to creatives like yourself and how, you know, we adapt to the world that we live in and creating pieces, you know, 
that reflect the outside world and how that inspires an audience that, you know, isn't necessarily in London or can access a theatre. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fantastic that you can do that definitely without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. It's a good time that we can, you know, talk about all these yeah. topics through through the yeah. arts. I mean, it's quite funny, you know, because I think everybody's emotions are up and down at the moment. I mean, everybody goes through ups and downs. I mean, it's really, it's a hard time and I'm really quite tough. And I lost my dad in January, but I kind of realised after the Queen's speech, I hadn't grieved properly. And once the Queen's speech got, I couldn't stop crying for four hours. And it's the first thing time that's ever happened to me of not being in control or putting myself together. And it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. So that was hard for me this, going through this as well. That I didn't think I would suffer. Funny, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen um, some some beautiful videos of you um, recently going, um, was it your, your mum that you're visiting? Oh. Yeah, absolutely it's got, it's gorgeous. Got vascular dementia. But the funny thing is, there's one of them I go round and I, I know all her favourite songs. She was asleep and I went, you are my sunshine. And she just sang straight away in a bit. And it's just hysterical. But, she, you know, it just proves what music, how much joy that brings to people and that are suffering with things. Absolutely. There, there was a whole um, programme on BBC, I think it was last year, um, with people who were suffering from dementia and um Exactly. That was a whole kind of study about how music, you know, what it does to the mind and brings back memories. Definitely. I think it brings so much joy, you know, to people. Anybody, they don't have to be in theatre. It does bring joy in music. Yeah, absolutely. And I think more than ever after this time, we're going to need the theatre and music um, to bring people back together and to lift people's spirits again. And I think people don't realise how much we actually do need it. Well, we really do. It's pure escapism, especially what we've been through. You know, and I was thinking the other day, God, we're so lucky to be in an industry where we just are so desperate to get back to work and because we love what we do so much, you know. Exactly. And, and people from the outside world, they, they're desperate for it to be yeah. be back as well. I think it's, you know, yeah. we just never would have thought this would have happened in our lifetime, really. <laughs> you know, it's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it really, really, really is. Do you feel supported as a choreographer in this industry? Yeah, I do. I can't say I don't. I mean, I get to work with great producers and I just get, yeah, I'm very supported, I have to say. And, you know, if I did a job where the producers or something weren't supportable, didn't feel like they were just, I, I wouldn't do it now because I'm luckily in a position to say that. But, yeah, I definitely do feel supported. And And what advice would you give to someone who maybe doesn't feel like like they are supported or that they their voice is getting suppressed um I just think you know like like I said when I was younger I didn't speak up because I didn't have the experience but as I got older I would never let I just get it out off my chest so it doesn't affect me and um I just think you've just got to express your opinion I mean there are ways of doing it as long as you don't start shouting and screaming and upsetting yourself more I think you should always speak up and politely put things on the table and then you know then it's out your system as well even if they don't listen something is released from you so I would do that absolutely absolutely very good advice hi everyone Owen Woodgate here from Tax for Actors as promised we have a very exclusive offer for Industry Minds listeners For those of you who don't know who we are, we are an accountancy firm specialising in, yep, actors and others within the creative industries. 
So for Industry Minds listeners, we're offering 20% off our standard fees for self-assessment. Drop me an email, owen at taxforactors.com. Contact us via our website, taxforactors.com, or via Twitter or via Instagram. When getting in contact, make sure to mention Industry Minds and you'll benefit from 20% of our price for this year. Enjoy the rest of the show. So you've worked in theatres all across the country, including countless West End credits and Broadway. With such a varied career, how do you approach your creative process each time, particularly when you're revisiting work? Um, I mean, I love revisiting because we like we've given Poppin such a big facelift. You know, it's wonderful. Me and Matthew did things we wanted to think. Oh, well, now we can get our hands back on it, and also the magic's bigger. I just love revisiting because I, I know I always make it better or better. Um, but when I normally put on a show, I, I do pre-production and I go, to, I love going to colleges and using their bodies. Once I know how many people I've got to use those students for two weeks. I mean, and then, you know, I can set not all of it, but set patterns or sections. So, you know, so we've got something to show to put down for the main bits. And, um, and also I get to find out who the young talent is coming out of college. I love <laughs> Because we all want to grab the new people that are good and, you know, not it's great to have my old lot, but I love to mix half and half. So like any of us, we, all, we go around to all the colleges and not only we're using them as bodies, like they might think we're looking to find out who we could actually use in a show as well, which I think is really nice, actually. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's actually one of our questions was how involved you are with the drama skills and and I can't remember how many and um, you're a, pa- a patron as well at some, yeah, some many, leading I feel, and uh, yeah uh, but I I just um I, I just love it because I might not the the ones I think are really good I become patron of that I've had something to do with um birds I'm at birds I love birds um there's so many good schools. I mean, they're so good, but I want to find out. I go to see their shows. You have to make it your business as a choreographer to see who is out there because some kids don't get a chance to audition. And, you know, some of the casting people might not have seen them. And if you put their names forward to the casting people, they'll get seen. So, you know, I know a lot of us do go to college shows for that reason to find out who these young, brilliant talent, all these brilliant talent coming from colleges. Yeah, I think it was it was it Monique from from Art said that was in Monique Young. Yeah, Monique Young. Yeah, my Peggy in Forty Second Street, and she's worked me for me quite a few times now. Claire House, who was the original in Forty Second, I gave her her first job at Chichester, and Mark Anthony. I mean, it's it's wonderful. I love it when I I see them doing so well now <clears throat> that I help them get on there ladder a little bit it's always I love getting people work even if it's not to do with me I will ring choreographers up and say please see this person or they've just finished for me but please see them I think nothing makes me happier than seeing people get work and when I was at Chichester as an associate I used to love getting choreographers work like I got Andrew Wright at 42nd Street there and things like that so yeah, absolutely. I think it's so reassuring to know. I think sometimes as an actor or performer, you you feel like creatives aren't on your side for some yeah. bizarre reason, but 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 they are. They are. I'm very loyal to people who are brilliant and work hard for me. And you know, I will help any of them. And I think they all know that. That's why, you know. And I will also say if they want to audition for something, if they're not right, they know I will say, you're not right for this without being mean. But, you know, at least they know they have that shorthand with me. 
Yeah. And that, and that's that's like an honesty thing and a, and a support thing yeah. um in the industry. Um yeah. just going just going back to like the the drama school students and working with other people. Um what do you notice when you merge kind of those new students who are maybe having their first job and how they're learning from not only you as a choreographer and a director but also the people who've kind of like earned their stripes and maybe had some western credits. Well, that's why I always put half of my old lot in as well. Oh, because I could easily cast it all with my old love without that. But I love getting new blood all the time into my shows. So I always do half and half. And also it teaches them how to behave, how not to rub me up the wrong way. Because I'm very respectful. But I have, I have kind of a, an old school where we get on with it. I don't want to see phones in a rehearsal room, which I think is unacceptable. You know, I just want to be respectful to each other, watch each other and learn. And lucky because they'll say, don't say that to me. I wouldn't do that. Or, you know what I mean? Because... And but it, I hopefully have a nice. I have a really lovely room, so I'm not good with bad behaviour at all. And I will open it straight away. But um, but yeah, that, I just like the way. That's how you learn your craft. I I did that through looking up towards the older ones, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think I'd love to get your um kind of thoughts on this? Because you know, I I certainly feel like right now 2020 the times have kind of changed in, in terms of you go to a dance class now to maybe film it and get some some footage for Instagram do you feel like like the the times kind of have changed in terms of of that whole side rather than just going to a dance class to work or being in a rehearsal room to work and um, like I completely agree with you you know phones in the bag it's not for yeah. you know whereas someone might get their phone out and be like oh in the rehearsal room today do you know what I mean they are filming a lot of, of them I know people do do that in class but you know you never know who's behind you that doesn't want to be filmed or has fell over and you think oh god that's going to be on somebody's I'm I'm happy at the end of the day to if you run a big number at the end of rehearsal and say if you want to film it you can and and, uh, and when I'm in, when I'm in my rehearsals I will film a number once it's been done and ask them if it's okay, shoot it from a different angle, because that's for my, to save, you know, for my archive thing. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a bit, I kind of, you think, are you really concentrating on your class if you're filming all the way through? I'm a bit old school that way. I'm sure lots would disagree, but at the end of the class, yeah, when we do it for the final few times, yeah, I think it can get in the way too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've always found that myself whenever I go to class and someone gets a camera out, I freeze up because I go, oh, I don't want to be in the back of their thing. I've just come here to to learn because that, that's just how I, I approach class. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I get that it's obviously useful to like get yourself out there and, and network sometimes, but um, maybe. I think some teachers are very different. I think some might yeah. do like commercial teachers. I don't know. So it's hard to say, but I wouldn't be great filming my whole class, no. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, just on the topic um, of kind of drama schools and students, thank you so much for judging um, our educational award this year that went to Arts Ed. It was yeah. an honour to have you involved. Oh, I mean, you know, and, it, and we, we went through it severely as well because there is that thing, you know, I know loads of these people that put, I literally knew all of them that put them in. So it's, you know, but it was just reading what they can offer. And, it, and that was my, for me, stood out for me and that you know that was great yeah, absolutely yeah. and it's great to see so many drama schools openly talking and helping yeah. mental health and I mean when I think about it when we were at college I mean if we burst into tears or I'd say we'd just be told to shut up and get on with it you know it's amazing now 
what we've got for everybody to help them. People feel they can speak up now. And it's, you know, it's so brilliant that is happening. We were so unaware of it. You know, we just got on with it and soldiered on. And it does affect you sometimes if you don't get it out of your system. Yeah. And and I don't think it's a it's a hindrance to to training, and it doesn't mean that you're being spoon fed or you're being mollycoddled or anything. It's just acknowledging that some days you you have hard days, or you might actually be suffering with with a mental health issue. And it, if that's acknowledged and if that's helped, then it shouldn't hinder your your training, and that you yeah. can work alongside it. I think we knew what our mental health issues were because we were never told anything. So we just need to harden up. That's what we got told. So it's nice to know you if you are having bad days and things are really bad you can go to speak to somebody yeah and sometimes that's all you need just to speak to somebody so um going on from that what changes have you seen over your career I mean we've kind of just answered that question but what changes have you seen throughout your career in the industry with regards to mental health um uh, yeah everybody's far more careful now I mean I mean far more careful about everything in this industry now sometimes I think it is like walking on eggshells I've seen directs and casting people really nervous about not casting so and so and doing this you know it, it is it, it is can be walking on eggshells but I do think it's lovely that we do care more that is very important that I will always clock and I've always clocked if anybody's not happy I will always pull them aside and done that for years and years before all this um but I think it's like you said because we're more aware now and I I, I think that's great really do Absolutely, absolutely. What what do you do to look after your own mental health? Obviously, just now we're all in a position where we're we're thinking <laughs> about our mental health, you know, on a day to day basis. We're trying to make ourselves as happy as we possibly can be during the pandemic. And um, what what do you do um, on general? It can be specific to now, or if you're if you're directing and choreographing a show. And um, what what do you do to to look after you? I mean, at the moment, I, you know, I suddenly realised the first few weeks I was a bit like, I mean, I've never, in my career, I think I've had four weeks out of work, like, you know, touch wood, you know, and, and I love working. And I'm, I would go on holiday for two weeks and want to get back to work. So this was like a real test for me. And I did feel myself slumping. But then I thought, you know what, I've not got any structure every day to do set myself something to do. And so we found uh, aerobics online that we started doing, which I've never done for years, which is funny. A friend of ours does it. And me and my partner do it together. And then we, we we kind of structure the day a bit more to give us something to do because it's so easy to have ups and downs. Listen, I've always, like I said, I think I've always been in control of myself. You know, I, I'm, you know, never have any. And then suddenly a couple of times during this time, I've not been in control of my emotions. The first time we clapped for the nurses, you know, just things come out of you that go, wow, and you realise what we are living through. But then you Zoom all your friends, thank goodness for Zoom and the internet. Thank goodness. It's wonderful to see your friends. And even, but even then you see them have their down days. And, but at least we're talking to each other about it. And I think you must always talk to somebody about it. We're all going through it. And uh, so that's what we've done, structure, I would set. But yeah, never, I, yeah. never you can't talk to your friends. You must always speak to your friends. We're all going through it, so we should always let it out of our system and tell people. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that when we go back, the industry is going to be different um, in the way that we? Do you think we're going to go back to exactly how it was, or do you think that we'll? I don't know. Maybe like take things a little bit slower. I think we will take things a bit slower. I think people will be more aware of washing their hands. More. Of, I think it will affect quite a few people. I've got a feeling that aren't going to want to hug as much. Or I mean, because I'm a massive hugger. I love to 
I miss my friends, you know, I miss everybody in the industry that I work with. And, um, yeah, I just think it will. Some of us will still be there, but it would be joyous when we all get back in a room together. I can't. I'm itching to just recreate again with people. But, uh, yeah, I think people will be aware and just um, – and that's not a bad thing about all the hand sanitizers because we take it for granted. Oh, no, it'll be fine. You know, when I first heard of coronavirus, I thought, oh, it may be like, you know, just like the flu. And, and then suddenly you go, wow, I actually feel a bit – so, um, yeah, I think it will take a time. But people will be more aware of washing their hands and social distancing probably, even though they still might be worried about that. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's going to make people like more fearless as well. I think especially g- going back to kind of graduates um, there's always this thing coming out, oh, I'm, I'm too scared to approach this person or, you know, put myself up for that. I think already I'm seeing online that people are just, you know, going for it and, and emailing that <laughs> person. And, you know, it, are you worried that you're going to get indaunted with messages from amazing tappers? <laughs> I do get loads of messages anyway. I mean, if I'm auditioning for things, if my all my old lot that have ever worked for me, because I've been going 100 years, any of those that work for me over the industry, I don't mind them getting in touch with me because they know I will say, oh, no, you're not right for this. Or, oh, my God, I forgot about you and I thought you were working. So that's good. I think when I get them from people I don't know, it's it's hard, you know, to... Say, because I, I could put like a thousand up easy that have contacted me, unless I've seen them do something or like I've taught them at the colleges, it's hard for me to help them. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't say, yeah, I'll get you an audition when there's some of my old lot can't get audition. It's really hard, that one. But yeah, I'm loving the fact they're going for it on, on Facebook. And there are some, some amazing classes on Facebook. Uh, oh, there really is. Everything. Just amazing classes. And I'm like, oh, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. I think was it uh, Drew McConey's going live every yeah. every Thursday. I think with his with his company yeah. and it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic access. Live. You know, Joanne Goodwin. She's fantastic. There's some great people out there on these teaching these things with really good style and technique, and it's really and it lifts everybody up. You know. Yeah, and it it's really so does. it's so great that we're all sharing our resources during this time um, and yeah. it's making it's making it accessible as well um, and obviously it won't be able to continue as much when we go back to everything because everyone will go back to their normal lives but I think that for especially for grads to just take this opportunity to be able to go to four classes a day because they have the time. Also these grads can go to people they've never seen before other people they've heard of and thought oh I'm never going to get do their class so I can't and then you can do it now you know. Yeah. And that's just like I always say to them, don't just do the classes you know you can do well. Do the ones that are going to push you. Absolutely. Stephen, do you have any advice for anyone listening to this? Um, if you could offer one piece of advice to anybody, what would it be? In an audition situation, I, um, we did this because somebody didn't realise it. Day. As soon as you walk in a room, I clock you from the minute you walk in the door. So if you're in a corner laughing and screaming with your friends or got a bit of an attitude... I clock that. And also, when you're in an audition, I will spot anyone that's got amazing passion and is just loving every second. And if there's somebody like them in the, in the class and somebody that is building loads of shows but is a pain in the ass, <laughs> um, I would go for the one with the pa- that's amazing technique. I would still go for the one with the passion that would probably take a bit longer because you, you just want you don't want negativity in a rehearsal room. You know, you want joy. You want to bring joy out to people the best. So things like that, don't think people realise. And also, 
do an audition and come out saying, wow, I did that the best I could possibly do it. I've had a great time because there's times I've somebody that's not got the job, but I thought they were so good in the audition. I've offered them another job down the line. So just be aware that does happen. So just go in there, make the most of it and come out. If you can come out saying, wow, I did the best I could then. I'm telling you, it really does work out for you. And just be passionate and don't get distracted by other people. Fantastic. Very good advice. So, Stephen, our final question, which we ask everybody, (laughs) could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? No, no. Only because I I don't think they need to see you're the person that's in charge of you all doing that in my position. I think you should, if you're an actor, I mean, I'm not saying a lot won't agree with me on that, but when you're leading a room, the last thing they want to hear is you saying, I've had a bad day. Do you know what I mean? If I had a really bad day, I wouldn't go in, I'd get my assistant to take it. I just think when you're in a place of leadership, I know that's, um, that people do struggle, but um, it's hard to, to run a room when you're not in a good place. Yeah, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm just being honest. Oh no, no, it's it, it's um, good just to get different people's opinions on it. Room, you know, you don't want to hear that he's depressed and going to be yelling and moaning all the time because he's down and you're trying to be happy and put on a show. So I think people in it's harder for us because I I just I would just bite my tongue, get on with it, and then talk to my friends about it once I got out. You know. Yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Amazing. Stephen, thank you so much uh, for that amazing interview. We've got one more game to play before we let you go. So this is called Finish the Sentence. So if I could live anywhere in the world and not let it affect my career, it would be? Paris. Beautiful. My favourite place I've ever worked is? West End. After a long day of rehearsals, I wind down by? Reading. My current Netflix watch is? Oh, Hollywood. Oh, so good. Oh, beautiful. Brilliant. Loved everything. Yeah. Things that inspire me are? Old movies. My favourite show I've choreographed is? Anything Goes. National Theatre. Without a flinch. Without a flinch (laughs) there. I have been blessed to have done, I have got loads of favourite shows, but that's the most mega happiest experience I've had in my whole life. Oh, amazing. Hopefully it'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, I am fabulous because... I bring joy to people. You absolutely do. I think I've smiled this whole interview. (laughs) You know, listen, I've been around for 100 years. I love everything I do. I'm grateful for the people I work with still. And you just think we're so lucky to be in this industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us over Zoom. It's been a pleasure to finally meet you uh, virtually. (laughs) And Uh hopefully we'll meet face to face one day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us on our email, which is info at industryminds.co.uk. For all counselling inquiries, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at industrymindsuk. There you can keep up to date with all our latest announcements. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.